Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 599 for September 18th, 2021. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchatz with Programming by Stealth number 124, the final episode before we start a whole new series. Right, Bart? Right. Is it not 125? Sorry, 125. And that says 124 because that's one of the typos I fixed. I wrote it off the show notes, but yes, this is 125. <laughs> okay, good. I was having terrible deja vu for a moment because I used to live in a house numbered 124. So that one was meaningful to me last time. So you know what I've done to the audience? I've purposely skipped two chit-chats across the pond with other people so that we will start the new series on, on 600. <laughs> <laughs> It's as if numbers have meaning, but, you know, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but that way I can remember, right? Because it was right at 100 that True. we, we uh, started the last series of things. That's a, yeah, okay, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. But anyway, we we have some wrapping up to do. We have uh, the bit we've been, te- we've been building to. Teasing is the wrong word. We have been laying a solid foundation and we are finally ready to move forward and have our chamois... Across multiple computers, but not just across multiple computers, any old which way. Across multiple computers, elegantly and efficiently handling that 10% that's different from computer to computer. You know, the stuff that's the same everywhere is easy. You just go shame while space, add space, tilde slash dot, whatever, and that's taken care of. But the power of, the reason you want a fancy pants tool is because you want to be able to handle the things that are different. The file that's almost the same, but, you know, there's an extra line needed on the Mac. Or on this computer, I needed to use this email address instead of that email address. You know, th- those those few little changes. And th- that's the reason we focus so much on templating, because templating is the mechanism. Uh, but today we're going to put all of our knowledge together to give us the final full sort of you know, the, the final full recipe for, for getting it across all the machines. Okay. And at the heart of all of this, the, mecha- the the machine that does the moving is our good friend Git. That is one of, that is one of the things I love about Shemois, is that it uses Git as its back end. And since I'm very fond of Git and very familiar with Git, it just makes that whole bit easy for me. And since it's what we've done in this series, I'm hoping it makes it make sense to other people listening along. And of course, why reinvent the wheel? Why create your own sync protocol and make people have to install <laughs> custom servers and stuff when you can just piggyback off Git? Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. I'm, I'm now, I'm, I'm completely a convert to Git. I love Git. Yay! <laughs> I think it's, I think it's marvelous. Yeah, it really is. It's such a. It's to me, it's infrastructure. It's 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 just critical infrastructure. Well, it's that table makes stakes. My, well, my, <laughs> right, exactly. It makes my digital life hang together. So much of what I do is is tied up in my my GitHub account is very precious. That's why it has two factor auth. Right, <laughs> it's one of the most two factor. Well, as, I've like, I as I like to say, my my GitHub uh, uh, repo is or my GitHub account is better protected than my bank account. It's like not, I feel, not because you want that. No, 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 no. I would prefer. I shouldn't advertise that. I suppose, but it's it's just so much. There's so many steps to authenticating. It's very easy with one password. It's just bing, 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 bing. But I, I'm shocked at how well protected it is, and I and I'm happy every time. Yay! So just to sort of remind ourselves, um, with Git, um, you know. 
we could have Shema automatically do our git commits every time we do a change, and we could have Shema automatically push, which is obviously very convenient, but it means you don't get to control when the commits happen, or you don't get to write the commit messages because they're all auto-generated. And that just doesn't work for me because A, I make too many typos, and therefore I usually have to have two or three goes at something before it's really ready to be pushed to Git. And secondly, I actually want to write the commit messages so that when I'm looking at my Git history, it actually makes some sort of sense what I did. So for those reasons, I don't have my Shamewalk configured to do automatic Git commits and automatic Git pushes. But it is an option available to us. Can, can I ask you a question on that? So um, you can. for somebody like me who doesn't uh, do a lot with my dot files, I know dot files are being created by apps. I can look in, in my hidden files. I have a whole trunk load of them. And I think, well, I've done a lot of work on this Mac to make this thing do things the way I want it to do. They're apparently getting stored to those Git files. I'm not, a- I'm sorry, those dot files. I'm not actually writing dot files. I don't sit there and type and make typos. I make configuration changes in applications that write to those dot files, and I would like that to go over to my other computers. So would you think less of me if I allowed it to do it automatically? No. <laughs> I, I mean, it, you would it, always at the end of the day, way, it's a tool. <laughs> it's, it, no, it's a tool. So whatever whatever works for you is the right thing to do. Okay. I mean, that, that, is, that, that, that is why you would have a tool. Now, if the app is writing the dot file, then the app is editing the dot file, so you're not actually using Shamewa edit, which means that the change can't be automatically applied anyway. No. So you would have to tell Shamewa to go and fetch the latest copy, and then it would automatically commit and push. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There is a technique around that. No, no, there is a technique around that. If you go and read the how-to section, you can actually turn them into symlinks rather than having them be real files, but... It came up actually in our Slack, which everyone should join up on. There is an advanced Shamewa technique for having files that are edited external to Shamewa. Hmm. Um, so that is actually one of the things covered in Shamewa's excellent how-to page. Okay. So what we have done is the basics. And if you want to do advanced, and there are lots of advanced things you can do, I, you know, it, I have it at the end of the show, so I may as well say it now, that how-to page contains all sorts of interesting ideas cool okay i shouldn't derail you i just been wanting to ask that i didn't i don't want to be less of a nerd bart i'm embarrassed admit it but no 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 the the reason we love flexible tools is because we all get to do what makes it work for us remember we're supposed to be the boss of the computer okay computer's not supposed to be the boss of us okay so whatever works for you right scratch your own itch etc etc that's the whole point of programming by stealth is you're in charge you take ownership and do whatever works to make your life easier. Okay. So if you're going to take control of the Git yourself, you have four choices. You can open Shema's source directory in your favorite Git GUI client. So I, that's to be honest, that's what I do because I always have Git Kraken open. And now that Git Kraken support tabs, I always have Git Kraken open with far more tabs than I dare admit. Um, or you can use the Shema Git command. Or you can use Shema CD and then use the normal Git terminal commands. Or you can change into the Shema source path using CD dollar Shema source dash path and then use the Git commands. Really, whatever works for you. And we, you know, we went through all of this in detail in previous installments. But if you're going to take control of the Git, take control of the Git. If you're going to let Shema do it, let Shema do it. If you're going to use Shema across multiple computers, though, 
you do need to have the Git thing happening, because otherwise when you pull from the cloud, there will be nothing there for you to pull. Oh, good point. <laughs> you haven't pushed it. It's not there to pull. Right. Um, before we start to use templates for managing our 10%, there's a few more functions I want to tell you about. So these functions sort of fall into, well, really, there's one category and one function. So the first category is functions for quoting strings. So if we are going to use a template to populate values in a, say, in a JSON file, then it's important that if those values contain special characters, they get properly dealt with, or we will create with our template a corrupted JSON file which is not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to use shame while to break things. <laughs> so you may need to pipe the con, you know, the, the output of whatever has come previously through either the quote command to wrap the output in quotation marks and any quotation marks inside the output will get backslash quotation mark. So it'll wrap it and escape. Or the S quote function, which does exactly the same as quote, but it uses single quotes instead of double quotes. I'm going to call that squirt because it just looks like fun to squirt. say. <laughs> it does actually squirtle. Squirtle was always my favorite Pokemon, and I don't even know what a Pokemon is, but I know I know a squirtle exists, and I want one. Um, the JS one will convert the value to a valid JavaScript variable. So if the value is a boolean, it will convert it to T or U E or F A L S E. If the value is a string, it will convert it to quote the value quote. If the value is an integer, it will just leave it as an integer, etc. So the JSON one, sorry, the JS one will make it be valid JavaScript. To JSON will make it be a valid JSON string. So if you have an array of values that end up at the end of a pipeline, to JSON will put them out a square bracket quote blah 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 blah. And if you have a big complicated thing, maybe pretty JSON is what you want, which will put it in a nicely indented JSON format. Oh, nice. I like that they called it pretty JSON. So you can have ugly JSON or pretty JSON. <laughs> they didn't call the function ugly JSON, by the way. It's just too JSON or too pretty JSON. <laughs> and then the last one is the ternary operator. Our, our good friend, so in JavaScript, Sorry, the ternary function. Um, so in JavaScript, the ternary operator is the question mark, right? It's some sort of conditional question mark, some value, colon, some other value. So if the if the condition is true, the first value gets used, and if the condition is false, the second value gets used. So that's how the, the you know quote quest sorry something question mark colon. That's how that works in JavaScript. So the equivalent here is a function named ternary which takes three arguments. The last argument is actually going to be the, the Boolean, so the true or false, because, of course, with pipelining, the last argument is what you get handed from the previous thing in the pipeline. So the last argument is the condition. The first argument is the value if the condition is true, and the second argument is the value if the condition is false. Okay. So... You could basically use that at the end of a pipeline. So you could have some sort of pipeline that does, you know, fetches a value, checks it against something else, and then finally prints out one value or another value, depending on whether or not the condition is true or false. So as a completely made up example, uh, I have a little snippet here. Uh, when it comes to shells, I'm, and then we have our double quotation mark to enter into double a template. Double squirrely brackets, you mean? That is exactly what I mean, yes. 
So the first thing in my pipeline is the function env, which fetches an environment variable of whatever name we give it as its argument. So I decided to go fetch the shell environment variable. Then I pipe whatever the value of the shell environment variable is to the eq function and check if whatever that value is, is equal to slash bin slash zsh. So the eq function will check if my shell is zsh. And that will return a Boolean value, right? It's either equals or it's not. So that then gets piped into the ternary operator. And the first value is hip. So if my shell is ZSH, it will output hip. And if my shell is not ZSH, well, ZSH, it will output the second argument, which is a laggard. So if I'm running on ZSH, it will say, when it comes to shells, I'm hip. And uh, if I'm not running ZSH, it will say, when it comes to shells, I'm a laggard. <laughs> Okay. It's a totally arbitrary example, but you see what, see how I mean? It's just, if the value is true, the first one comes out, otherwise the second one comes out. It's okay. the ternary operator. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Can be useful. Yeah. Okay. So now that we've learned those few extra functions, let us remind ourselves of how, not remind ourselves, let us explain Shamewa's mental model for synchronizing stuff between computers. Basically... You initialize Shemwa on your first computer, you add some dot files, you commit them locally, you make an empty remote repository, push your dot files to that remote repository, and then on every other computer, you tell Shemwa to go fetch from the remote repository. Okay, that makes sense. Once, once you have your computers initialized, your changes are managed by pushing and pulling to and from the remote repository. And every time that you do a pull, you also need to do a shamewa apply to actually... So the pull will take the stuff from the cloud into shamewa's source. And then you need to say shamewa apply to take it from the source into the destination, which is your actual home dear. Okay, so if I, if I make a change over on uh, computer A, I put in mm-hmm. uh, shamewa space uh, push... Shamewa space git space push. Shamewa space git space push. Yeah, I've already done right. And then over on the other one, I say Shamewa space git space pull. Assuming it's also been initialized, I do Shamewa space git yeah. space pull and then Shamewa space apply. Correct. Okay. So the pull will make your source be in sync, but your source is translated using the templates and stuff to become your output with Shamewa apply. Okay. Okay. Because your source has all the little mustaches in it, which is not the actual final output, right? Right. It turned into real output. That's what Shamewa apply does. Okay. Gotcha. It runs the logic. It's it, it that makes sense. Expelliarmus is it? it <laughs> Expelliarmus, yeah. right? So, assuming we, I mean, not assuming. Up until this point, we have been using a remote repository purely for the purpose of backup because it's good, right? Not to only have our dot files existing on the one computer. So they are already in the cloud if we've been playing along. So if we want to go to a second computer, all we have to do is tell Shamewat to go initialize itself from the repository. And you do that with the same Shamewat init command, but this time you give it one argument, the clone URL of the repository. Okay. So if you're a GitHub user, that means you go to the code button and you grab probably the SSH URL because now that GitHub has gotten very strict on how it uses uh, usernames and passwords, 
I think you have to use what did you call it a pat, a public access token or something? Yeah, that's a <laughs> a giant pain. It's a giant pain. Whereas SSH keys are wonderful. They now, can be a pain do, too. You but... do want to do a, a brew install chamois before you do that. Yes, because otherwise the chamois command is a bit fictional. <laughs> Not that that's what I did when I was practicing with the show notes first. Well, I mean, you won't get very far. I'll say shame what command not found, at which point your brain will go, oh, yeah. <laughs> actually, on some version of the Linux, it will actually tell you the command to install the missing command. It's one of the things I like about Ubuntu. If you if you on Ubuntu say something like, you know, NTPD start or something, it'll say NTPD, NTPD not installed. Would you like to install it with apt-get NTPD? Like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's a way to do it. Uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. So... If you were to do that right now this second, before we've done a little bit of preparation work, it would work. It would pull down your repository to your local machine, but it wouldn't create a git config file for you. Sorry, not a git config, a shamewalk config file for you, because your shamewalk config file is not in the repository. It's in a separate folder. Oh, okay. So... It says in the show notes, don't do it just yet. And the reason is because Shamewa has a mechanism for automatically creating a config using a template. So your config can be created at the moment you initialize to be different depending on the computer you're doing it on. So you can have your template say, configure my machine one way on a Mac and another way on Linux, or one way on my work computer and another way on another computer. So basically, you can define your config with a template. Oh, okay. And the okay. template gets run mm-hmm. when you do a shamewah init. And you make the template by making a file with a very special name, and you put that file in your source directory, in other words, in your Git repo, because they're the same thing. And the file is called .shamewah.json.tmpl, and that will be the template for your Shamewa config. Okay, let me stop you real quick. I'm getting mm-hmm. kind of lost on where all these different pieces live. Where is my my repo? Your repo is your Shamewa source. So if you type Shamewa space source dash blah, I can't speak. Shamewa <laughs> space source dash path. Right. That will output the path to what is your Git repo and what is your Shamewas source. Okay, Those so they're the, are one the, same the same folder. Okay. Those are one and the same. Okay. Yeah. So in that folder is where you need to make this hidden file, and that will be used to create an actual config file. When you, t- when you run git init, that template gets executed to build your config, okay. which means you can use your if statements and all the stuff we've learned before to make your config be different in every computer that needs it to be different. Right. Like what Does we, that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Now, it's even gone a little bit further to you. There are three functions that only exist in templates for configs. They don't exist in other templates. They only exist in this one special template. And they are functions that allow you to ask the user to type in input. So at the mm. moment you do a shamewa init, you can make it ask you questions. Oh, that's kind of nifty. And those function, it's very nifty. So those functions are prompt string if you would like the user to be forced to enter a string. 
prompt int if you really want them to type a number and prompt <laughs> bool if you want a yes no answer from them okay and that will then become available to you in a pipeline so it's just a template function so you can use it as so you can say basically curly curly prompt space email pipe e something right make use it as part of an if statement anywhere you can use it in a template you can you can use it it's just a way of getting a value so we've all we already have a config file but we don't have a config template so what i did because i'm a lazy sod is i copied the template on my primary computer where i set chmo up first to become my template con- well, sorry my config template okay so the command to do that is cp tilde slash dot config forward slash shamewa forward slash shamewa.json which is your actual config file and then copy that to dollar open parens shamewa space source dash path close parens forward slash dot shamewa.json.tmpl so that dollar parens thing is saying take the output of the command shamewa source dash path and use it in this terminal command so in other words, I'm saying copy the config file into my shamewa source as a file named shamewa.json.tmpl. So not not suggesting that anybody would have ever done this, but if someone initialized over on another computer before doing these uh, this command, are they forever messed up? <laughs> no, because you can do... It is safe, even though it sounds really scary... You can do shamewa space init without any more arguments, and it will just rerun the template. Ah, okay. Not, not that, that I would have ever done your... disobeyed your instructions where you very specifically said, don't do it yet. <laughs> sure. But the thing is, even in real life, you're going to edit your template over oh, time, right? Point. You're going to learn a new thing, in which case you need to re-init on all of your various computers anyway. So it is it is completely intended that you re-init. Now... One of the pieces of advice I give later is use prompt string, prompt int, and prompt bool sparingly because every time you do a shame well init, you're going to have to answer those questions. And if you've asked yourself 20 questions, well, you've now got to answer 20 questions. <laughs> so generally speaking, if you can calculate the value, calculate the value. But if, if you really do need to ask, then ask. Um, okay. So once you've copied your file, you now have a file that you can edit using any text editor you like. So it is easy to make mistakes writing templates. So if you actually want to make sure that you haven't made a mistake in your config templates, what you want to do is make Shamewa do the template thing so you can see what it looks like. And so Shema has a command which will take a stream of text on standard in and treat it as a template. And we can use the terminal's arrow commands to suck stuff, to suck a file into standard in. So Shema space execute dash template is going to look for something on standard in. And then the less than sign is the terminal command for suck some file in here, please. And then we give it the path to our our our, our template. And that will show you what the template evaluates to. But the moment you use one prompt function, you need to make that command a little bit longer. You can still use a command, but you now need to be a little bit longer. The first thing you have to do is pass it the flag minus minus init, which tells Shamewa to turn on those three special functions. 
but it won't let you type in the answers. You have to tell it the answers on the command line. So you say minus minus prompt string or prompt bool or prompt int, and then the name of the variable you use inside the template, and then equals the value you would have typed when it prompted you. Oh, okay. So you're basically pre-answering your own questions. Okay, so does that mean you can just hit enter? Like Then you just hit enter and you'll see the output. Oh, okay. Got so you. then you'll know if you've made a typo because it will tell you, you know, fail to close action. I, I did that a lot. For some reason, <laughs> my, my keyboard is getting a bit icky or something, but I always ended up with, you know, two opening and one closing mustache. And I was like, oh, you didn't terminate the thingy. I was like, oh, so I didn't. Um, but yeah, so that way you know that your template is is working. Uh, and like I said, don't worry, you can rebuild your config from your template anytime by typing shamo space in it. So edit your template at will and then reinitialize with shamo in it. It won't lose your content, it will just update your config. So if you change it on computer one, you can't mm-hmm. just type that on computer two, you have to do a push and pull. Correct. Okay. Because then when you've done the push and pull, the template will have changed. But you then have to rebuild from the template to get the specific version for your computer. Because if that template says, if on a Mac, do one thing, if on Linux, do another thing, well, then you have to actually run the template to get the right config. Okay. Basically, run the mail merge. (laughs) Right, right, right. So... One of the first things you can do to manage that 10% difference is deal with the fact that not all computers need all of your dot .files. If you have a mix of Linux and Mac, then you're not going to need some of the Mac-specific stuff on Linux and some of the Linux-specific stuff on Mac. If you only do development work on two of your three computers, you don't need the Git stuff, you don't need, you know, you may not need a bunch of other stuff. So... Or if you're being all shiny and modern with ZSH on three of your computers, but on one of them, it's stuck on an old version because it's a Mac Mini in a closet somewhere and it it can't run the latest version, so you're stuck on Bash, well, then you're going to have a Bash or C file and you're going to have a ZSH or C file. I mean, you could just copy all the dot .files to all the computers and most of the time that's just messy rather than bad. But some dot .files are actually flags. So their mere presence makes some apps do different things. It's like, oh, you have a file that exists at this file path, therefore I shall not do X, Y, or Z. Well, that's a problem. But don't worry, Shamois provides a mechanism for doing that. It's called the Shamois Ignore file. That's a lot of eyes in a row. Shamois Ignore. so wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does look, look... My brain says typo, typo, typo every time I see it. It's not a typo. Yeah. It's Shamois Ignore all one word. Okay. It looks and kind of Hawaiian. File, it's got so many vowels in a row. That's true. Yeah, should have a pineapple. Um, that the the basic syntax is the same as git ignore, which is great. But again, you know that's not surprising because Chema is is a git you know is a git sort of extension in many ways. If you really want to get fancy pants about it, under the hood, Shamo uses the match function from a Go library called DoubleStar to do its actual processing of its ignore file. But unless you're doing something really bloody weird, you do not need to know that. If you are doing something really weird, I've linked to the docs in the show notes and you can read all of the nitty gritty detail that you don't care about. Okay. 
Um, but we do have one or two very advanced users, actually, that show up in the Slack from time to time. So I sort of feel I should put these things in. Okay. So there are two really important things I want you to know about Chamois Ignore Files. The paths you put into the Ignore file are the paths in the destination folder. So if you want to ignore tilde slash dot bash or C, it's not dot underscore bash or C, it's dot bash or C. It's the file, it's the name of the file in your actual home directory, not the name it gets translated to under the hood. Because remember, you don't have to look under the hood. That's optional to look under the hood. So you you pretend you're talking about the real files and Shaymaw translates them into its fully naming scheme. The second thing, which is amazingly powerful, Shaymaw's ignore file is processed as a template. That's how you can ignore different files on different computers. You can say if.shaymaw.os eq Darwin, ignore these files. Oh, okay. Or more commonly, you actually use the any, the not equals function rather than the equals function. Okay, so you've got some examples in here uh, in templating. You didn't say in the show notes where to type this. This is in the dot shema ignore file? Yes. So the shema ignore file sits in the root of your source directory, which is the root of your Git repository, and it's called dot shema ignore, all one word with the two I's stuck together. Okay. So you would actually edit that file and put in, in these templates there. Correct. Okay. So if you just want to always ignore a file, just put it in without anything around it, right? You can just put it in like you would in a Git ignore file. Okay. But if you actually want to do a different thing on different computers, then you start to make use of your templates. So the classic example I have here is basically the bash and the ZSH. So I have an if statement for handling bash and an if statement for handling ZSH. So the first thing I do is I say if, and then I use the env function to access the shell environment variable, which is where the actual shell you're using gets saved. And if I say, so if env shell, and then I pipe it to the ne, which stands for not equals. Mm -hmm. So I say, if my shell is not equals bin slash bash, well, then I'm not using bash. Therefore, I should ignore dot bash profile. Oh, and you used quotes too. Uh, on bin slash bash right because it's a string I'm saying if if, yeah. if, the, if the value is not equal to the string oh, okay. bin slash bash oh got you okay that wasn't escaping anything I, th- I got all excited I thought no okay. because I didn't pipe it to the QUOT function right that's just oh, okay. a string don't worry you'll get you'll see examples of the quote function later uh, and then I also have an else just for the point of illustration, really. So I basically, if it is not bash, then I write out a comment that says not running bash, so ignore bash profile, followed by dot bash underscore profile. And then I have an else, which means, well, I am using bash. So I just have a comment and nothing more saying using bash, so not ignoring bash profile. And I've done the same thing for ZSH, where I said if env shell pipe it to not equals bin slash ZSH, not running ZSH, so ignore the ZSH environment, else using ZSH, so not ignoring the environment. And you can test your ignore file, because again, it's a template, so you can make typos, so you can test it using the Shema execute template command and piping the, the ignore file to it. So the full command is in the show notes, but it's basically Shema execute template, the little arrow again, dollar shema space source path which at this stage you must be very sick of seeing <laughs> forward slash dot shema ignore 
So in other words, pipe the ignore file into the execute template function. And on my Mac, where I am using ZSH, it says comment, not running bash, so ignore bash profile, dot bash profile, comment using ZSH, so not ignoring ZSH environment. All right. You know, that makes, and there, that, that, makes that is a perfect sense. example. Yeah. yeah. So I ignore things based on a condition. And just a reminder, if you want to see the content of an environment variable, the terminal command is echo, and you prefix the variable name with the dollar symbol. So if you want to see what your shell is, you type echo space dollar shell. And for me, that's ZSH. I'm hip. I'm on ZSH. Are you on ZSH even on your Mojave machine? Yeah. Oh, look how hip. Yeah, you I are. do actually. I, no, I had to go. I had to go out of my way to. I actually go. I had to go into the Mac control panel and change my shell. But you can do that. Yeah. So I did. Um, it is a true that I. I don't. Part of me didn't want to put this paragraph in, but then the documentation might confuse people. You can have multiple ignore files. You <laughs> can put them into subdirectory. I know. Don't do. It. Don't do it. But you <laughs> okay. can. You can have them at a subdirectory level, and then they'll only exe- then they'll only affect that subdirectory and its children. To me, what this does is give you spooky action at a distance. Oh, because you forget you that things. you've got an ignore file somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. You just have weird dot files going missing for reasons you don't understand. For your own sanity, don't do it. Well, the ability to do you- uh, conditionals with templating, you shouldn't really need to do that. Right, you shouldn't. Okay. You, no, you really shouldn't. But it supports it. And a little dirty secret, Git ignore files are the same. I just didn't tell you that during the Git section. <laughs> you yeah. can have Git ignore files at any level of your Git repository. And again, spooky action at a distance. Stuff just vanishes. Please don't tell me. And you don't understand <laughs> why. Yeah. Okay, so a few tips before we look into a real-world sample. So while ignoring entire files is great, right? Most of your work is going to be done by using templates inside for your targets. So mm-hmm. it's the stuff we learned about last week and the week before. Mm-hmm. That is going to be your bread and butter. Okay. So I would say my first piece of advice I've already given, minimize your use of the prompt function inside your config template, because otherwise you're going to have to play a game of 20 questions every time you do an init. You might feel super powerful that you were able to ask, cause yourself to have to do it, but after maybe twice, you're real tired of it. <laughs> I was going to say the first time you'll feel great and the second time will be mildly annoying. By the 10th time, it'll be most annoying indeed. <laughs> um, the next thing I would say is distinguish between specific computers by their host name. So if you want to do some things on one specific computer rather than one OS, you know, a specific on my laptop, I want to do blah. The host name, so the .shema.host name is a really good way to, do, to pick out specific computers things and then what i really like to do is i like to use my config template to define data fields in the data section of my config uh, that basically act as little flags just little boolean fields so i always define one called is mac and i just do that whole you know shema.os eq darwin thing once because i can never remember <laughs> should i capitalize darwin i don't remember <laughs> so i just make my own variable called uh, is mac and another one i tend to do is needs git because otherwise i don't bother with uh, my git config and stuff oh okay so like especially so, like with your work computer well your work computer needs git but it would be a different git yeah, on my work computer, I use the host name to use a different email address 
then I use so basically I have on my data field I do an if statement around the around the using the host name if the host name is my work computer use this email address else use my real email address for everything else okay so so I call out the work computer as being a special which it is I didn't pay for it um, <laughs> which definitely makes it special um, and it's also my only touch ID machine so far yeah. but I'm hoping Apple give me an iMac to fix that soon <laughs> anyway um, so the boolean data fields I think are great. So it's really hard to do a worked example that isn't stupid. <laughs> I spent about two hours trying to come up with a worked example and realized it was just a silly idea. What's a better thing to do is to show you a little bit of my actual Shewa config on my actual computers. Okay. And explain what I'm really doing in the real world. This is not the sum total of what's in my Shewa, it's just snippets. But it is real. Please tell me this you're not going to read this do. out loud. No, <laughs> these are in the show notes to be looked at, but the point is the concepts in play, uh-huh. right? So the first thing is my Shema config template. So the first thing I do is I prompt the user to enter a variable called editor name that I am saving into a template variable called dollar editor name. Oh, okay. So I'm saying dollar editor name becomes equal to, so colon equals prompt string editor name. And then, then I open the edit section of my config and I say, if my editor name is equal to Smultron, I put in all the stuff for Smultron. Mm-hmm. Else if my editor name is equal to text edit, I put in all the stuff for text edit. Else I just put in VI because I like VI. So you do make yourself answer all these questions. You'll notice that's the sum total of all the questions I ask myself. Okay. And the reason is because I own a copy of Smoltron. WorkMe does not own a copy of Smoltron uh, yet. Oh, so you could so you could have eliminated the you could have eliminated the question with the host name. Yeah, but then I have I sometimes it, it, <laughs> the real word is a little bit more complicated. Than okay. That. All right. Um, all right. I won't ask more questions. I don't know that's fine. Yeah. But the the point is, I take an input and then I action it with if statements. And then depending on what I told myself, I'm doing different things. And the end result is that my config file will be correct. Okay. So then the next bit of interest is down in the data section, because that's where I define my useful Booleans. So the first one I do is is underscore Mac colon, this is a JSON file. So is Mac is in quotation marks in proper JSON format. And then I need to give it a value that needs to be proper JavaScript or it won't be correct, right? I say inside a mustache eq.shamewa.os Darwin piped to the JS function. And that will turn the value into the letters T-R-U-E or F-A-L-S-E, which is correct syntax for a true or false value. Okay. Right? Yeah. So EQ will give a Boolean, yeah. which I am then making into a JavaScript Boolean by piping it to the JS function. Okay. Needs git, I'm making use of the wonderfully convenient any function, which basically returns true if any of the things you pass to it right. are true. Right. So I say any EQ shamewa.hostname bart imac 2018 or effectively, this is the next argument, eq.shamewa.hostname ccdsk2ss. And then pipe the output of that any to JS. And that will again be true or false. Okay. So is Mac and needs git will be true or false. So there I have my little booleans handy. And I can just use them anywhere because they're in my data section. 
Okay. Also in my data section, I define some personal info. So my name is always my name. So that one just goes in without being inside an if statement. Um, but then we come to the point where if I'm on my work machine, my organization is Maynooth University and my email address, which is on the Maynooth University website, which I don't mind putting in the show notes. We're not allowed to keep it secret because we are a public institution paid for <laughs> by Irish taxpayers. So mm-hmm. everyone in the world has to be allowed to know my email address. Mm-hmm. That is the law. I hate that law, but that is the law. Um, and then the other one, I say, yeah, otherwise, I'll put on my other hat, which is Bartificer Creations as my organization. And my email address is the one I use on GitHub. So it's also out in the open, which is why I don't mind you seeing it. It's open source at Bartificer.net. I may not read that email address very often, <laughs> but it is in my Git config. Okay. Uh, and then I end the if statement. So basically, if the computer is my work laptop, then I'm work me. Else, I'm me me. Okay. Yeah, other me. Uh, so the key points are I used prompt string and then did something sensible. And I defined some nice, useful booleans. And I piped the stuff to JS to make sure it was properly formatted in the JSON. I also used template comments. Right? Right. So I you like can that. see comments. But in the output, when I run the output, there are no comments because comments are illegal inside JSON files. So you can see that that gets calculated to a normal JSON file. So I see it with comments, but it's a normal JSON file. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Uh I see the difference now. In my first read-through, I was like, why am I seeing this twice? But it's missing things. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So the next thing then is I have an actual, my my get ignore, sorry, my shame ignore file then basically says if eq.needs get false, I don't know why I did it that way. (laughs) I could have just said if. And anyway, I could have just said if not needs git fo- needs git actually. Um, that's interesting. I love double negative. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I ignore dot git config and dot git ignore global. Else, I just put a comment saying git files not ignored on this computer. Okay. And the reason I do the else is purely to help me troubleshoot, right? Because I'll know which way that bloody if statement went because the uh, output will have either I'm ignoring it or I'm not ignoring it. It won't be blank. Right. 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 And you can test the git ignore file again, as we learned above. So when I test it, what what comes out is uh, git git not sorry git files not ignored. Right, I'm not ignoring them on this computer. Yeah, uh, and then then oh, my git config is just by the book, right? Email and name, which we defined in the data section, and they will change depending on whether I'm on my work laptop or my other laptop because the data file was changed because of my config template. Right. And so on my Mac, I get what you'd expect, which is basically personal me, open, you know, name and et cetera, et cetera. So um, let's look at my SSH config. Okay, so in my SSH config, on the Mac, you have to do keychain stuff that's different. So in your .ssh slash config file, you can add these two special values to save you having to type the minus capital K and minus capital A stuff, which has changed apparently in the betas of the new OS you were telling me earlier. So you can skip all of that by sticking into your SSH config file these two lines. Use keychain, yes, and add keys to agent, yes. And I have simply wrapped them in an if dot is underscore Mac. So using my little Boolean. So you're saying you can put into your into your Shemwa which file are we in now? Okay, this is the this is Shaymaw's version of my tilde slash dot ssh forward slash config. It's my oh. ssh config file oh, that I'm I managing in Shaymaw. We might want to add that to the show notes because I didn't know that. What well, says, finally, let's look at my ssh config file. 
Yeah, but you always assume I know where which one of those files you're talking about. Okay, no, no. Okay, um, I'll put in parens that it's tilde slash dot ssh slash config. Okay. Okay, so that will, I'll push that. In the so if we're if we're on that, so inside there you're using templating that talk to uh, the template things you did in the other file, because you're right, you're saying because, if dot is mac. Right. So the the config file, if you if you create something in the data section of the config file, that exists everywhere. Which config file? Exists. We got two config files. The Shamewa config file. Okay. So if you do the Shamewa config file controls Shamewa's state permanently. Yes. And and now you're over in your SSH config file and you're define you're using things that you wrote over in using. your Shamewa config file. Yes. Okay. Got it. Yes, that's it exactly. So basically that is Mac is great to have in your defined in your in your Shamewa config because it's just available to you in everything you manage with Shamewa. So everything Mac specific in every dot file, you can manage it with a template like this. Okay. Okay. So if I actually run that template on my Mac, it does include the use key stuff. And if I did it on Linux, it would jump straight to the rest of my file, which is just some stuff to make. I, I don't run SSH on port 22. I run it on a different port. So I have to tell it SSH to do that because I'm too lazy to type minus P2222. So basically, now we're ready to rock and roll. <laughs> okay. Shamewa, space init, space, the URL to the Git repository. Because we have our template and because we have our ignore file, your Shamewa will be initialized correct. And that's on the other computer. On every other computer. Every other computer. One or a thousand. Okay. One of them or a thousand of them. <laughs> okay. Or a million. Okay. It took us a while, but we got there. We did indeed. And that brings the entire phase one of this entire series to an end. That is a big deal. That is a big deal. Um, I know we have a rocket, not a launch. What's the opposite of a launch? A rocket landing? Uh, We've got, yeah, we have splashdown of the uh, Dragon capsule in, uh, in, I'm actually cheating and watching it as we're talking. But uh, yeah, that's just a couple of minutes. How far above Earth? Uh, Couple of minutes, okay. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll go quick. So... (laughs) At the end of phase one, what do we know? We know the three core technologies of the client side of the entire internet. HTML to specify what is on a page. Paragraphs, headings, tables, forms. Right. CSS to specify its appearance. Should this be bold? Should this be blue? Should this have a border? And JavaScript to bring it to life, to make things happen when we click, to to, to activate it, to make it do things. Right. We've also learned, we've also added to our toolbox, right? We've, un- we've learned the concepts of all programming languages through a specific programming language. But we've also learned a really important skill, the skill to use other people's code. Yes. We have used jQuery. We have used Bootstrap. We have used Moment.js. One of the things I was hoping to subtly sneak in as we did this was another vital skill, the ability to read documentation. Because I didn't tell you everything that Moment.js can do or everything that jQuery can do. I regularly said, check the documentation. And I know for a fact that you have been. Are you saying you did it by stealth? (laughs) Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I'm very, very much so. And then not at all by stealth, 
I sort of the opposite of stealth. I also gave you the most powerful tool in any developer's toolbox, which is version control. In our case, version control with Git. Mm-hmm. So we have done a lot. Now, it took us 125 installments. <laughs> we have done a lot. Phase two is going to be completely different to phase one for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, one of them is the simple fact that we now have this toolbox and it is not an empty toolbox. It is actually quite full. And also, I need to do some actual real world programming, open source. So I am going to use that as the MacGuffin, I believe is the movie term, the thing that moves the plot along, to for us to take the step to the other half of the internet, the server side. All right. I'm so, so excited. We are, we are going to basically do four things together as part of a real-world actual project. We're going to expand our toolkit to include things like code linters and document generators, because in the real world, you need to do those things to work together as a team. We're going to take our knowledge of concepts like conditional statements, loops, and apply them to a whole new language, PHP. We're going to learn that web servers exist, that web clients talk to them, and they use something called the Common Gateway Interface, or CGI. And finally, we're going to practice our Git with bells on, because this is going to be an open source project we're all going to work together on. So we're going to be Gitting, 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 Gitting. Okay. That's, that sounds fantastic. So that is phase two. I hate to do the bums rush, but we have literally one minute before splashdown. Sign us out, Bart. Okay, well then let's fingers crossed, touch wood, let's hope for safe landing and touch us all next time. Until then, happy computing. If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.